Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? Welcome to another episode of Rider on the Road. Today I'm with a friend of mine, an old friend of mine, who has turned up in a few different places over the last few months, and it's Alexandra Amore, who I believe is over in Canada. Uh, good morning, Alexandra. Hi, Melinda. How are you today? Good, thank you. Now, I don't know whether to be uh, excited or terrified to have Alexandra with me today, simply because she's an author mindset uh, mentor. And I've been fossicking through her blog this morning, and the first thing it says is, are you ready to stop thinking about writing and actually writing? And I'm going, "Mm, maybe I don't need to talk to this woman right now. Uh, Tell us all about it, please, Alexandra, and don't ask me any detailed questions because I might have to lie to you. Okay, (laughs) I can say the same back. Well, thanks so much for having me on the show, Melinda. I'm thrilled to be here. And it's so, I always find it so fun to talk to somebody on the other side of the world. So yeah, I'm on the west coast of Canada in Vancouver. Um, And the new site that I've got up, uh, fasterfiction.com, is brand new. It went up about a week ago. And the intention there is for me to help writers and and people who are really maybe even want to be writers they haven't written their first thing yet to get out of their own way to stop procrastinating to stop thinking about writing as you mentioned and get their bum in the chair and start writing yeah now what can we say about that everybody everyone who's listening out there we're all writers we all know what it's like and we all have very good intentions as well my problem is I have people on my podcast who mention things like writing 5,000 words a day. Do I need to talk to you, Kevin Tomlinson? And there's lots of other people out there who are putting me to shame. I've got uh, Joanne Dannon doesn't do a bad job either at churning out the words. Uh, I don't even want to go into my romance writers um, like Amy Andrew and, and co because they've been writing for years and they're up to you know, 50, 60, 70 books and I'm going, oh, give me a break. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm still at the, I'm thinking about it and I'm going to write a book. So Alexandra, I need you today uh let's start with that favorite word of ours procrastination right well i think this is such a big topic for writers and um stephen pressfield calls it resistance i don't know if you've read the war of art but that's a really great book to to start with and to explore the topic of why we feel such a barrier when we try to sit down and write Um, And I think especially in this day and age when we're all so overly busy and there are so many distractions in the form of social media and um, all the things that we can do online, that writers really need to be quite selfish about their time and also about the space that they need to write, whether that's headspace or physical space, which people very often need. And um, I think there are specific ways to stop procrastinating and those are the things that I try to share with writers to help them because I found that once I got into really good habits uh, the easy the writing became easier and I was able to produce more and do it more quickly 
Yeah, and those words, I've just written down some notes here, everybody. I've written time, space and habits. Now, I've been reading how to write books for years and the first chapter always seems to be about time, space and habits. Uh, I'm guessing all of us uh, could do something to improve that. I read a lot of people get up and they get their writing done before the rest of the world wakes up. People who get up at four and write for a couple of hours, knock over their word count, then go to the gym and then play golf. Uh, sometimes that's not reality. What, what, what about the rest of us? What about the real world? Uh, how, what, you got any suggestions for us? Yeah, such a great question. And I think we do always tend to idolize those people who, yeah, who can get up at four in the morning and do two or three hours and then and then carry on with their day, and that's not possible. And the person I'm always thinking of when I'm um, writing a blog post or hosting a podcast at Faster Fiction is the person who's got maybe 15 minutes, you know, maybe a single mom with three kids and a full-time job. How is that person supposed to get their bum in the chair and write? And I think what the thing that I talk about right at the very beginning is really anchoring in with our values. How important is us? Is it to us that we write? And if we can link to something that really matters to us about writing, then that's definitely the best first step. And one of the things I always suggest to people is that they sit down and, and ask themselves the question, if I look ahead and think about five years from now and I haven't written anything, how would that feel? And then once you can kind of connect to the disappointment or the, um, the sadness that you might feel about not having written anything, that might help you to get started finding even just 15 minutes in your day to spend writing. Yeah, I'm, I'm just about to launch a course for teenage novel writers and I've had some beta kids in there doing this course with me. And I've got to tell you that they're actually putting me to shame. They're up to five, six, seven thousand words, and these are kids where their novels are only going to be twelve, fifteen thousand words, and they're right in there. They're not scared. They're in their boots and all. Uh, I'm wondering whether we can take something from that. Oh wow, that's such a good question. I bet, like you, you mentioned that they're not scared. They're not afraid, and I suspect that that's that's such an advantage for somebody at that age. We do tend to be a bit fearless and feel immortal, don't we, when we're teenagers. And then we get to be grown-ups and we think, well, I, it needs to be serious and it needs to be perfect and it needs to be great right out of the gate. I think that's a thought that really stops a lot of writers. This book needs to be a bestseller and take over the world um, when really it's your first shot at writing something. And so what I like to encourage writers to do is really back way way up and do what Anne Lamott suggests which is learn how to write shitty first drafts. Yeah Anne Lamott uh, she's written a book called Bird by Bird everybody and um, already uh, Alexandra's mentioned Steve Pressfield's The War of Art and now um, Bird by Bird. Uh, these are sort of how-to bibles for for most writers. Uh, we may as well just um, fossick through that for a little bit. Um, do you recommend people go to these books? Because there's so much online now. Um, there's podcasts, there's blogs, there's us. Uh, and we're all jumping on the bandwagon with our courses, this, that and the other. Do you think sometimes the noise just um, sort of freezes us? I think it does. And I think there's also a, a trap that writers fall into, which is, sort of over-learning, over-researching. 
So uh, it's, I think it's really important to read books about writing, especially when we're getting started, and even to continue doing that as we carry on our writing careers. And there is a moment when we have to stop learning about writing and actually write. And that's the, the, the barrier that I think a lot of writers have trouble getting themselves through or across. And, and taking that risk and, and putting down their words at the beginning when they know they're going to be crappy. And I can guarantee you they are. And, and what I really suggest is that people just find a way to be at peace with the fact that the first few things we do are going to be rubbish. Yeah, I think I heard somewhere the first million words, and I had someone on recently, uh, one of my romance, oh, I think it was, oh, it was Jenny Jones, uh, romance, rural romance writer. Her first six books were practice, uh, and you just think about that, and her books are like, I think they're 80,000 words long, or those ones might have been 50,000 words long, and you think about that, and nowadays we're getting all this stuff out about um, churning out a book in five minutes, um, 30 days to you know, write a novel, all that kind of stuff. Uh, do you think that the expectations are there uh, right from the beginning that we do all these amazing things, but it's not actually reality sometimes? Absolutely. You know, writing is, is a craft, and I, I tend to use the metaphor of carpentry. You know, you, when, if you're learning to become a carpenter or any other skilled trade like that, you don't start out making a beautiful hutch with all kinds of carving and inlay and all that kind of stuff. You start out making a table with a flat top and square, you know, four legs, and that's it. And then you progress from there. And I really do think that almost all the information that's available to us now, and a lot of the noise too about that we can sometimes get caught up in about how I think there's a misunderstanding that self-publishing can be a road to riches and people expect that sometimes that they can just start from scratch, turn out a book, and it'll sell a bazillion copies. And that's really not the case. But if again, if we're anchored to the value that we have around writing, to, to what it means to us and why it matters to us, then we're willing to practice the craft and write six books, as you mentioned, in order to get that seventh book that we feel proud of and that we're willing to, to put out into the world. Yeah, and I think sometimes we jump too soon. Uh, I was speaking to, and I just uploaded an episode with Park Howe on on story, the art of story, the business of story, uh, and the story cycle. Uh, there, there are some really great things out there to learn um, because with all of us, story resonates. I, I think it's one of the most valuable things we can do, and especially with our courses, encouraging people to to try, um, trying to draw that balance between it not being too difficult. Uh, we talk about creativity. Uh, what, what's your definition? How, how do you explain that? Oh, wow. Fantastic question. Well, <laughs> when I define creativity or talk about it, I tend to float into the, the more spiritual end of the spectrum. So I really agree with what Julia Cameron says, that we were all created by the great creator and therefore we are creators as well. And I think creativity is such a natural human drive and desire. I think it's probably one of the most foundational and natural drives. And, and I think when we, when we 
discourage people from being creative the way that we tend to do in our Western society where money, money matters so much more than, than that kind of creative pursuit. We really do people a disservice. And I don't think that when we teach about writing, we're, we're teaching anything new. I always think that people know how to be creative. They just have to be persuaded to um, reconnect with that part of themselves. Yeah, I think Park said something about we're at our most creative in kindergarten. And I know in schools, I was talking to my students about it yesterday, they'd all come back from holidays, we've got eight weeks to go to Christmas, and they're not the slightest bit interested in in PowerPoints and worksheets and data-driven stuff. And Park said something to me that I haven't been able to get out of my mind, is we're wired for story, yet we teach via data. We're expecting our kids to learn stuff by rote, uh, yet we resonate with story. I absolutely agree. I think um, the the stuff that Joseph T T Campbell talks about about the the writer or the hero's journey is hardwired into us somehow. I don't know why that is, but it totally, it definitely is. And we are. That's why we're all so addicted to Netflix and um, and to books and to movies and all these things. I mean, it's a good addiction, and it's it's because we're we are wired for story. That's, that's, and really story too is a way that we, um, that enables us to relate to our lives and to the world that we're living in, in the present moment. Yeah. Now, uh, Alexandra's mentioned a few books that I might just, um, cover. We've talked about Anne Lamott. We've talked about Steve Pressfield. We've talked about now Joseph Campbell and the hero myth. Julia Cameron is famous for her morning words, uh, where you get up and you just free write before you start thinking. I turned around to have a look at my bookshelf because I've got a whole omnibus of her books there and I've forgotten the titles of them. Can you just run through a couple of the titles for me? I think that's up yeah. on my daughter's bedside table at the moment. <laughs> So the one she's most famous for is The Artist's Way. That's it, Artist's Way. Thank and, you. Yep. Yep. And that's the one where she introduces the idea of morning pages, which is something that I've been doing for years. And I think it's a really big part of um, my kind of success, quote unquote, as a creative person. Because dumping out my thoughts and feelings and fears first thing in the morning has really kind of opened me up to be creative then in, in other parts of my day. So yeah, The Artist's Way is her best known one. And then she has another one that doesn't get mentioned quite as often, which is called The Right to Write. So it's the R-I-G-H-T to W-R-I-T-E. And in that one, it's little short essays and then uh, uh, suggested exercises or invitations, I think she calls them. And that's a really that's one I used years ago, and I would I would do the exercises or the invitations that she suggested, and that helped to start to free me up to feel a little bit more confident about writing. Yeah, I think the one I used, I was doing my PhD, and I remember I ran away to the Whit Sundays, which is the beautiful, um, I guess, Bay of Islands of Australia. It's beautiful up there, and I remember I I threw it in the car and ran away um, from my children and my husband to um, get some writing done, and I think I took the one called The Sound of Paper. And yes. it was amazing. There was It was like this book was talking to me. And that was my first book that I read of hers. Then I went back and did The Artist Way. But that sound of paper was all about probably what we're talking about today, giving yourself permission to write, stop, stop beating yourself up because you're not doing enough, and then giving you a way through, I guess, your author doubts. 
Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. I think confidence is such a big part of being a writer. And at the beginning, of course, that's what we struggle with the most. And that's one thing that I really want to focus on teaching at Faster Fiction because hardly anybody talks about that. And really, one of the only ways to become confident at something is to keep doing it. And I think that's a step that that so often gets missed. We do tend to want to take this big leap and jump from not having written at all, like I said before, to writing a really great book. And um, unfortunately, uh, that intimidates and paralyzes a lot of people, I think. Yeah, and also we're a we're a fast society now. We want it yesterday. Um, I was just thinking about, I wonder if that's one of the reasons that NaNoWrite has become such a huge, uh, I guess, go-to place for um, people. They say, oh, I'll go and do NaNoWrite and then I'll have the first draft done. Then I'll be able to do this. Then I'll be able to do that. And there's a huge money-spinning thing propping up around that, courses and how-tos and all that kind of stuff around this NaNoWrite. People are starting, I guess, to see it as, well, if I can do that, I can do anything. But I'm guessing there are as many failures at NaNoWrite as there are as anything else because you still got to do the work. You still have to do the work. And I, I've never done it myself, but I always worry about people who don't have a, a solid writing habit set up before they start. And to my mind, it would be really hard in 30 days to establish the routine and the habits that you need to be a successful writer. Um, I mean, it took me several years, I would say, and so, yeah, I wonder how, I think it's a great, um, it's a great idea. And there's a lot of community, I believe, involved when you do NaNoWriMo. Um, and I do worry about people who might be sort of biting off a little more than they can chew. Yeah. And as Alexandra's talking, my lists of everything are growing longer here. We've talked about time and space, routine and habits uh, and confidence and procrastination. These are all words that we could all hang on our little pin boards that we've got in our studies. I notice you've got one in the background there. Uh, and the other thing is inspirational quotes. Everybody, you've got to have inspirational quotes. Uh, and I tell all my students to um, buy a T-shirt and put the name of their novel on it because every time people ask what they're doing, they can see the novel. Okay, yes, I'm writing a novel. It's written on my T-shirt. So there are little tricks of the trade to get you in your seat each day. Uh, do you do you have anything in particular that works for you? Well, I think that T-shirt idea is great. I had I've never heard that before. I love it, and I think one of the things we struggle with the most when we're starting out is feeling like a fraud. So I just wanted to mention that as well, and and say to people that we all feel like a fraud at the beginning, and then how to set up a good routine. Well, we've talked we've touched on a couple things so far. One of them is very often writers write it first thing in the morning. And I think that's because they're fresh at that time. But I think for each writer, it's important to figure out when is the time that you have the most energy. Some people are evening people. Some people are morning people. So just figure that out for yourself and and find the time of day where you don't feel completely sucked dry and you do have a little bit of energy. And then the second big tip, and all writers talk about the, these two things, and it's because they work. It's either to set a word count, a a goal of the number of words you're going to reach, or to use a timer and to set the timer and not take your pen off the paper or your fingers off the keyboard until the time has elapsed. And I would really suggest that people set those goals really, really small at the beginning. So for the timer, even three or four minutes, and for the word count, like 200 words. 
which is less than half a page if you're looking at a, you know, a, a Word document. Um, set the goals small and then you can incrementally increase them. Yeah, um, I'm just hearing something in the background there. I thought, is it a motorbike? Is it a truck? Is it something? <laughs> yeah, I, think, I live near a busy street. I think it was a motorcycle. <laughs> uh, yeah, now that whole word count thing, it's a fascinating thing. I put it in my workbook for my students. Uh, students love to count words, and it's usually to get out of doing exams. So you'll see them. You've said, write 250 words, and they'll be going, one, two, three, four. And you go, stop counting your words and just write something. Uh, and then they'll add in a few extra ands and this just to get them up to the word count. Uh, yeah. I've... I've heard that a timer is becoming more fashionable recently. Um, I'd never heard of it. It was always word counts um, as far as that's what I read back in the olden days. But now there's um, something come out, and I hear it a lot on podcasts with John Lee Dermis and guys like that, uh, write for 25 minutes uh, and then get up. And apparently that just that single-mindedness or that focus for 25 minutes is really, really good. Then get up and just walk away and then come back and do it again. Have you heard those kinds of things that are cropping up? I have, yeah. You had Valerie Francis on the show a little while ago, and she's been doing that project. And she started, interestingly, with a much smaller amount of time. I think she started with seven or eight minutes. And every day, and so she would write for seven eight, or eight minutes, take a little break, you know, five minutes, and then write for seven minutes again. And her goal was to write for a whole hour in those seven-minute increments. And then she incre gradually increased the amount of time. And the the 25 minutes and five minutes method is called the Pomodoro method. method. It, yeah. yeah. And Pomodoro really just means tomato. And it's because a fellow um, started this idea and he used one of those kitchen timers that looks like a tomato. And that's, that's what he was using. So that's why it's called that. And I think there's something really to be said for focusing for short periods of time and taking a break. And one of the things that I know for, that it does for me is that, well, A, focus does take a lot of energy. And so you don't want to say to yourself, okay, I'm just going to sit here for three hours and try to focus because that's, that'll just, that won't work. So focusing for short bursts um, is kind to yourself and to your brain. And, and then as you get more practice and more experience, you can just gradually increase the amount of time. Yeah, I'm just and gonna... there's a, sorry, I'm interrupting Melinda, but there's an author who's written a book, oh, and I can't remember her name, but she goes into detail about this method and talked about how it really helped her word count. So um, if I can think of it, I'll mention it later. Yeah, I bought a book, um, and it's not so long ago, and it was to go, how to go from 2,000 words to 10,000 words. And I thought, oh, that sounds really exciting. And it, and that became very, very popular. And she, she made quite a lot of, um, oh, she got a lot of downloads. I don't know how much money she made. But to go from 2,000 words to 10,000 words was pretty impressive. And what she really suggested, and, and again, it sounds like a damn fine idea, is planning outlining yep. knowing where you're going because as she said you can actually write 10,000 words and go oh that that's not actually what I want I'm going to start again uh, which is what I do all the time uh, so I'm guessing that planning and outlining and um, even with my romance writers that I was speaking to Jenny Jones said that she never used to be a planner uh, she was a pantser, which is now turned into being an organic writer, which has come out of America as well, being organic. I thought, oh, well, that taps into our new um, feel-good stuff. So, okay, we'll be organic. But 
She said she plans more now because she can get far more work done. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm a planner myself, uh, so I plot and outline. And I, I had to take a few different runs at it to find out which method worked for me. Um, and so now it's, it's, a, it's a little bit detailed, but it's all, there's also room in there for things, surprising things to happen. I found when I did the outline and it was way too tight that then I was bored. And I thought, well, I know what happens. So I, you know, this isn't really interesting me, but definitely for me, planning helps me to be really, really productive and I can write 5,000 words, um, a day, like, and that's in about three and a half hours. Um, just because I know where I'm going and I know the purpose of the scene and what it has to accomplish. Um, so that really helps me to be much more effective. Yeah, and I'm starting a 5,000-word-a-day club, everybody. I've just decided to do that. I've now got Kevin Tumlinson and Alexandra Moore in that club. Uh, <laughs> I'm not there yet, but I will be one day because I'm a gunner writer. What was that quote we started with at the beginning? Uh, when you need to stop thinking about writing and actually do it. I'm in that club. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Now, I just want to move on a little bit. You've got a free course up on your website and everybody go and have a look at fasterfiction.com, www.fasterfiction.com. It's uh, Alexandra's new website. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, Alexandra used to talk or interview mystery writers and she interviewed Rachel Amphlett. But she's moved on and she's got this Faster Fiction website and I've made a note that it's actually a how-to Go to for people who want to have a website, and I'm guessing that's got a lot of your experience in it. It's got a free course, it's got podcast, it's got blog, everything that we need to go. Wow, this is a great website. We want to come back and have a look at more. Plus, you're going to have YouTube up there as well, which is tapping into you know our new digital need to be able to go to all different forms of media. Uh, so, tell us about your free course, and then we'll dip into that uh, website because I love it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, the, so the free course, it uh, was really important to me to share information about why mindset is so important to authors. So it's a video series, and it's three short videos. They're about 15 minutes each, and I go into things like, um, you know, why it's important to, to writers who want to be successful to have their mindset um, kind of in the right place and supporting them to accomplish what they want to accomplish. I think this is another thing we discount very often is the mental game that goes on behind the scenes with writing. I think we really have to be agile and a little bit strong um, mentally in order to deal with all the challenges that come along with writing, all the self-doubt, um, comparatonitis, all that kind of stuff. That what do you, I just run that by me again. <laughs> comparatonitis so when we're comparing ourselves to to other people <laughs> i love it how I'm, I'm trying to write it down i thought i can't even spell it i love it comparatonitis um i think that can be my word of the day i collect my words of the day um i think the other one i had yesterday was toodling along i love toodling along as well yeah we do tend to compare ourselves to others i guess i think your free video course will prove to be very popular because we're all curious about um how, how the how to or the how the process of of writing 
uh, everyone I've had on the podcast, we always delve into that a little bit because it's what fascinates us all. With someone else doing something that might help us a little bit and help us get, get a little bit further along the track. And that comparatonitis is actually taps right into that. So are you finding that that, because that's um, something that websites need to have to get people to sign up and say so you've got that loyal following. Are you finding that you're getting a lot of people signing up for that free course? Yeah, it's only been, the site's only been live for a few days, um, so I don't have too many subscribers yet. But yeah, I think in terms of, you know, marketing ideas these days, um, it's really important to, if you want to build an audience, to have something that you give away in exchange for someone's email address. It's a pretty basic online marketing technique. Um, and I always really like to give away something of great value that people can get a lot from in exchange for that email address because it's um, I'm going to be continuing to communicate with that person and I really value them letting me into their life. So that's the idea behind the free course. Yeah. Now, you told me about one video and there's three of them. Very quickly, what are the other two about? So they're all about the same thing, mindset, author mindset. And I just go through several different examples about why it matters and the three reasons that um, that authors need to have a good mindset. And so one example that I give, and I think it's in video number three, is I talk about this, the pyramid of, um, of the writer's journey. And you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs? And so you start at the base one um, with shelter and food and that kind of thing and move upwards. And I think that authors have a similar journey and the very bottom base of that pyramid um, is is so important and it, it, it involves mindset and getting your habits in place and then as we move up the pyramid there are different things like um, well self-publishing if we want to go that route um, learning how to work with editors that kind of thing and I noticed that when I began my author journey I was kind of trying to learn all these pieces all at the same time and what I really needed to be doing was focusing on the writing first, getting my habits in place, getting a good routine down, learning how to um, stop judging what I was writing and just get my words out onto the page. Yeah, and I'm just picturing an infographic. Uh, as you know, we're all visual beasts nowadays. And as, as you drew that little pyramid for me, I thought, that's screaming out for an infographic. Uh, so if you could just go make one for me, please, I'll, I'll download that. I think that's really exciting um, because it's certainly something we could share. We could share with our students. Um, I just think it's it just appeals, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I did, I created in PowerPoint. So the, the free course is a, a video course. And so I go through a PowerPoint uh, deck and I've got a little image of that pyramid. So for sure I can share that with your audience. I'd love to do that. Yeah, that's exciting. Now, I didn't realize it, but we're looking at Alexandra. She's got a brand new website. Her podcast is about to go live. She's got two episodes about to have the third episode. So I'll race over and um, as soon as that's live next week and give it a great review. I just think you've tapped into something that is going to be very successful. I've been sort of fiddling around the edges of it, um, encouraging people to tell their stories. But I think you've really nailed it from a branding point of view. Uh, I think everything ties in together here. Uh, your blog posts, there's only half a dozen of them up there, but they've got some wonderful um, titles. One of them that really interests me is how writers can avoid the shiny project syndrome. Now, 
I just think that is delightful because we're all guilty of it. We'll put that one down and we'll come back to that one. Um, I've got some guys who are keeping me on track and keeping a very firm eye on me because I tend to tootle off and do other stuff and, you know, get 20 projects half finished. Could you just talk us through this shiny project syndrome and tell me not to do it anymore? (laughs) Okay, sure. Well, what I noticed is that, and Stephen Pressfield talks about this in The War of Art too, that there's this, um, it's almost like a bit of a high that comes from fantasizing about a project that we're working on and that that high kind of happens at the beginning of the project. We think, oh, this is a great idea for a book um, or a story or a painting or whatever it is. And wow, when I when it's finished, I'll feel so accomplished and um, you know, maybe people will even like it, maybe people will buy lots of my books and that kind of thing. And what any large project like writing a book requires is a long time spent working really hard. And that hard work has less rewarding feelings than the feeling at the beginning, the shiny project feeling of, um, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. And what I realized is that we, at some point, it's fine to fantasize about the, the new project. And Martha Beck calls that dreaming and scheming, which is great. And it's a part of the whole creative process. But eventually we do have to dig in and get our hands dirty and kind of slog it out for quite a long time. And I think you talked about having 20 projects half done. What might be happening is that when you get into the slogging part, it starts to feel like less fun. And but if you started a new project, you would you would get that rush again, that high from the new project. And so that's when we tend to leap to something new rather than finishing the thing we're working on today yeah i've put a blog post uh alexandra and i are in uh doing the same course together and it's joanna pens and we talk about it all the time creative freedom and i put a little blog post up there uh the other day and it was after reading this 12 week year and i've got my podcast happening i'm just about to launch this course and i was getting a bit stressed and giving giving my designer a bit of a hard time and i had to sit back on my backside and go "Uh oh it's me because I wanted everything happening at once and I wanted it all yesterday. And I think I've been working on this for six months. This damn course should be loaded. And this 12-week year had something in it that I want to share with you, Alexandra, because I think it taps very much into this shiny object syndrome and what you're talking about. And it's there's five steps to it, and I've just brought them up on my phone here. Um, uninformed optimism, informed pessimism, valley of despair, informed optimism, and success and fulfillment. And I'm wondering whether those five things are something that we all go through. I Absolutely, I think they are. As you're listing them, I can totally relate. And so the valley of despair, <laughs> yeah, I think, is kind of where writers live, especially when you're, when you're writing your first book. And, but, but I want to encourage people and say that what happens is then we learn to recognize the valley of despair. And so that's the big part in the middle when we're slogging through and we're on chapter 10 and there's going to be 20 chapters and we just can't even imagine getting it finished. And this is the moment when it would be really easy to get distracted by a new idea. And the good news is, though, that once you've written two or three books or have written completed two or three projects, you recognize that valley as you're coming up to it. And so you can say to yourself, ah, okay, 
it's going to be hard now for the next little while. I know this. I've been here before. And hopefully what you can do over the course of a couple of books is develop some strategies to deal with it. So maybe um, really take good care of yourself. You know, make sure that you're getting lots of rest at night and not kind of burning the candle at both ends. Um, shorten your timed writings if that's something that you're using or shorten your word count goal for the day when so that just so that you can keep going keep putting one foot in front of the other and get through that challenging time and and getting through the challenging time I remember I was, when I was writing my um, novel for my PhD and I can only talk about that one now because I haven't finished my next one but I'm gonna uh, it's it's imperative because these projects are big they take a long time they don't look everybody I've got to tell you the truth they don't take 30 days it's a it's a furphy anyone who's churning out a book in 30 days is is probably not going into it deeply enough oh I'm gonna get shot for that aren't I uh, <laughs> Well, or they're very practiced, you know, maybe it's their 50th book. And so they are really that skilled that they can go that fast. It's, yeah, and they're really, yeah, I can't, you're right. There are really, really good writers. And, and I can tell you now that Amy Andrews is very, very, very good. And I'm not referring to you, Amy. I know you can do it. Um, but I, I just don't think these young blokes can. <laughs> no, certainly not when you're at the beginning. I don't think you can crank out a book in 30 days. There's no way. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're, we're moving right along because uh, I've got to go to school soon and all these alarms are going off. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love it. I'm sitting here. Poor old Alexandra's watching me. I've got my iPad on one side. I've got my phone on the other. I've got her in the middle and I'm just going, we multitasking. And that was one of the questions, multitasking versus deep writing. A lot of research is showing now that multitasking is another one of those furfies. Yeah, and you know, the first person I heard talk say this phrase I'm about to say was Joanna Penn, our beloved Joanna, uh, who teaches the Creative Freedom course. And she talks about how there is no such thing as multitasking. There's only shifting, switching tasks. So in other words, you can't, we can't be doing two things at once. You can't be writing your book and checking Facebook at the same time. You're either doing one or the other. So I always really, when I'm writing, I turn off the phone um, and people, sometimes my friends don't like that if they can't get a hold of me, but that's, that's too bad. That again, like we talked about at the beginning, this is the time that I need to protect. And I don't let myself go on Facebook or any social media during the time that I'm writing because I do find that my mental state is much more supported by just kind of staying in that zone and not pulling myself out and checking email, even on my breaks. On my breaks, I just get a snack or go to the bathroom but I don't check any social media yeah and I love that protecting our writing time everyone it's what we need to do uh I noticed my 14 year old she's really shocked me and given me a lesson she when I do my Facebook live she always sends these little bubbles and love hearts and kisses and I go good morning Liz you know and it's a bit of a routine and I haven't been getting them the last couple of times and I said to her why aren't you sending me bubbles I miss my bubbles she said mummy I'm having a break from Facebook because it's taking over our lives and I went oh <laughs> you know here I am ramping up I'm on Facebook every five minutes and she's right so we've actually had to reinstigate in our home putting putting all our gizmos that I'm sitting here with now putting them away and reconnecting with the real world Yes, absolutely. And that that's also a good way when we reconnect with the real world to fill the creative well. You know, we need experiences 
away from our screens in order to fill that well that is then going to um, come into our books and our writing. Yeah, that's a huge topic all on its own. And, you know, we could probably have another whole podcast on that, on filling that creative well, looking after ourselves, going and finding a beach, going and finding a waterfall, which were far easier to find in far north Queensland than they are down here in Brisbane, I can tell you. Um, I don't know how many waterfalls you've got over there in America, but I presume you've got other than, oh, you've got Niagara Falls over there, haven't you, in Canada? Yeah, on the far side of the country. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geography, I'm so bad at it. Uh, all right, just very quickly before we go, your course, yep. you haven't launched it yet, I know, um, because your website's only been up two days. Um, now, don't forget, everybody, we haven't talked about Alexandra's old website. The reason she's so very, very good about with this is because she's been doing it for years. Uh, she used to have a mystery writing website, um, which I'm trying not to talk about because we're moving onward and upward with your faster fiction, and I don't even know if there's a link to that on your new website um, but if you'd like to tell us about your new course sure yeah so people can get the free video course that I talked about with that, that has three videos at fasterfiction.com and then I'll have two courses coming out one is going to be I've called it 30k in 30 days but I think I'm going to revise that and call it something more like your first chapter or your first 2,000 words and really dive into a lot of what we've talked about today about just building a really good foundation and teaching people how to how to sit down and get those first few words out. And then down the road there will be a Faster Fiction Mastery course uh, that will really teach writer, teach people who want to be full-time writers how to, how to be more confident, um, how to tap into their creativity, how to have good habits, how to deal with the thoughts that come with being a writer, all that kind of stuff. So that'll be sometime next year, I'm sure. Yeah, and the funny thing is I look at that title that you've got up there, 30K in 30 Days, people would be falling over themselves to do that course because that's the hype that's out there in the mo at the moment. That's the kind of title that will sell. People will buy that course hand over fist because, look, I know it's out there. It's in the podcasting world. I hear it. It's in the um, blogosphere. I get emails about it all the time and there's all this build-up. Uh, but, you know, sometimes I think it's a recipe to fail. And, and it could be turning, we could be doing people a disservice and turning people off rather than encouraging them. Uh, and it seems to be that that's what's happening, do you think? You know, it's a good question. And yeah, that's sort of why I decided to change the, the title. Um, it's because what I really want to do is encourage people to just begin. And so rather than having a big goal over 30 days like that, I think I really would like to have it focus more on your first chapter, you know, just writing your, your very first thing um, and developing those good habits so that you can keep going so that, so that you're successful and not, and not failing. Yeah, and the flagship course, I love it. I, I just think this is the one that people will adore. Um, and it's called... Uh, the flagship course, Faster Mit Fiction Mastery, How to Write with More Confidence and Less Fear. For independent authors, the only barrier to success is our ability to write. And it's a comprehensive um, program, takes you from nervous, hesitant writer to confident, <laughs> confident, prolific author. Now, that is a fantastic, uh, I think that's a fantastic course. And I think that 
would really be something that I'd like to make when I grow up. So I'm going to watch that one. Uh, that's on my gonna do. I'm going to do that one day. But you will do it and it will be very good because you've got such a depth of experience and just even a, a cursory glance, everyone, at looking at Alexandra's website, you'll see this woman is talking from experience. Uh, she's she's built up to this over many, many years. We started our podcast today talking about how to write books. Anyone who has the depth of knowledge on how to write books, she's, she's done the journey. I've done that journey. I've read all the same things. I recognize her kindred spirit uh, and... Alexandra is going to make this course and she's going to make it happen. And that's where we part company, I'm afraid, Alexandra. Thank you so much for having me today. It's been great chatting with you. All right. Uh, and we'll talk again soon. So that's uh, goodbye for another episode on Writer on the Road. Please go over and check out Alexandra's course and her website, her podcast and her blog. It, it's looking really good. And download those three videos because I'm going to go off and I'm going to do that now as well. Uh, talk soon. I'm off to school. Bye-bye.